المحاضرة اليوم هي محاضرة بالاشتراك مع مؤسسة الأبحاث الفرنسية في الأردن بمشاركة مديرة الإفبو دكتورة فلسطين نيلي أهلا وسهلا فيك فلسطين أشكرك ويمكن فلسطين تساهم بالنقاش بعدين بتعمل مرحبا فيك دائما بنحب نشوفك معنا أستاذ يانس هانسون هو أستاذ تاريخ والشرق الأوسط في جامعة تورونتو بكندا وهو من أصل ألماني وقد أمضى سنوات عديدة في لبنان في دراسة تاريخ لبنان وسوريا العثمانية له أعمال عديدة جدا في الإنتاج الفكري من أهم كتابه الرائد ليش تضحك؟ أسر بيروت بيروت في نهاية القرن وهو دراسة رائدة في إعادة النظر في التاريخ الاجتماعي لبيروت كعاصمة ولاية بيروت التي امتدت من اللاذقية شمالا إلى يافا جنوبا يعني فلسطين كانش داخلة فلسطين جنوبية كانت متصرفية القدس وقد نشر مؤخرا دراستان بعنوان Arab Thought Against the Authoritarian Age و Arab Thought Beyond the Liberal Age وهم دراستان كانوا حصيلة مؤتمر تكريما لفكر ألبت حراني Arab Age and the Liberal Arab Thought and the Liberal Age وله أيضا دراسة عنوانها كافكا and the Arabs ودراسة جميلة جدا بعنوان ملحمة 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 وهي دراسة للعرب الذين خدموا في جهاز البيروقراطي والاستخباراتي للسلطان عبد الحميد نجيب مرحبا كان مدير الاستخبارات في اسطنبول وفرد عائلته لعبه كبير في سليم باشا كان وزير وزير خليني بعدين انت بتصلحني اكيد رح اخربش فيعني المهم انه عائلة ملحمة اللبنانية الاصل لعبت دور كبير في دعم نظام الحميدي في نهاية العهد العثماني في وقبل وقبل النظام الحميدي مشي لا لا يعني لا وأخيرا وليس آخرا نفير سوريا هي مجموعة جرائد ومناشير بدأت بنظري أنا وبتصور في نظر ينس بداية التراث النهضوي العروبي في المنظورة العثمانية في بيروت وهي موضوع حديثنا الليلة متشكرين فصلحني الرجاء إذا أنا لا كل شيء في محله وأشكرك للكلمات لطيفة الكلام بالإنجليزي مشي 
يعني نبلش بالعربي بس عشانكم يعني مع كل الاحترام بس بعدين رح احكي بالانجليزي احسن عشان يعني التحليل والسرعه وكمان التحليل والتفاصيل يعني تفسيري اذا تعتبر نشرات في سوريا واحدة من أهم الوثائق التي أسست عصر النحتة العربية كما قال أستاذ سليم ومثل كتابها أحد رواد تلك الفترة فقد كان عصر النحتة فترة أرشيميديسية أكيميديان بوينت للحداثة العربية بالنسبة إلي هاي النقطة أنا لح أشرح أشرحه بالإنجليزي. A comedian point of Arab modernity. ليش؟ I will tell you later. يعني كمان كتير مهم حتى وقتنا راهن. ظهرت إحدى عشر عشرة نشر بين شهر أيلول ألف تمنمية وستين و. شهر نيسان 1861 موقعة باسم المستعار محب الوطن كان محب الوطن شاهدا على انهيار بلاده خلال حرب الأهلية في جبل لبنان ومدينة دمشق في الصيف 1860 يعني مش أحسن شيء بس يمكن the ones in the first row can see a bit what I've prepared. Sorry. وهذا الحرب وفي هذا الحرب قتل من عشرة آلاف مدني خلال الاشتباكات. عنيفة وعمليات الانتكامية بين جماعتي الدروز والمسيحيين وموارنة بالضبط وفي هذا السياق شكلت ما في سوريا تعليقا عاطفيا بشأن حالة بلاد الشام فيما بعد الحرب يعني بالألماني بيقول أنا أعرف عن dealing with the past. وبالإضافة إلى ذلك، فقد شكلت نشرات لمحب الوطن تحليلا تاريخيا واجتماعيا بما أسفرت عنه الحرب. وكذلك لعل قدم كاتب في سوريا. المشهور أو المعروف حينها باسم محب الوطن نقدا للثقافة العربية لأول مرة فهل يمكن الكون أن الحرب كانت محفزا لحالة من إنتاج من الإنتاج الفكري هذا السؤال أو كما يقترح 
المثقف اللبناني فواز تربوتسي وأخرون إن تفسر اندلاع الحرب عن بزوع فئة جديدة بزوع 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 فئة جديدة من المثقفين في بيروت ومدن مماثلة في بلاد الشام ما عندي نعم بفضل عشان احترام اللغة العربية يمكن أحسن بالإنجليزي بالإنجليزي هلا بس ضيقتين وأنا أنا بحكي بالإنجليزي بس المقدمة في بلاد مع بدايات رأسمالية وانحتاب نظام الإقطاع وتدخلات المبشرين so now this is the introduction. Sorry, I uh, it has been a while since I spoke Arabic. Bill, uh, that was okay. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. I just wanted to show that I respect. Uh, uh, it was okay. <laughs> Thank you. So now um, the introduction. So why to get back to the this point, this Archimedean point of Arab modernity. So why does Nafia Surya eleven uh, eleven um, uh, 11 issues, why do they matter for us today? So my point, and this has been discussed in Beirut, uh, inter alia with uh, um, uh, people like Fawaz Tabulsi, they argue that the, the Harb al-Ahliyah, the first time this concept was actually used, before one spoke of fitna, yani, uh, the fitna of, uh, of the past, but now for the first time, al-harb al-ahliyah was the term that Bustani used to try to understand the novelty of of these ishtibakat, uh, of these um, uh, uh, the violence. Um, so um, the this this civil war meant, as as I argue in this book, a, a deep rupture or a transformation in the Nahda Beirutia. I'm only speaking at the moment for, for Beirut, not for Cairo or Damascus or for Quds uh, or anywhere else. Before this civil war, um, in fact now that I think I can make it, uh, before the civil war, mainly many of these uh, intellectuals, you mentioned uh, Nasif al-Yazaji, but also Butus al-Bustani, were they were more or less, um, they were uh, literary, literati, right? They tried to, they, they went back and revived uh, the memory of the past. They looked at Ahd al-Abasi, for example. They saw themselves as uh, educators, as historians, but not really as social reformers, right? After the Civil War, people like Butros uh, Augustani uh, and the generation of his son, uh, Salim al-Bustani, I don't know whether he's coming up, um, they saw themselves as public intellectuals for the first time. Uh, it doesn't, it somehow, uh, the pictures don't show. It's my problem. Uh, sorry. Malish, the, the pictures don't show. Uh, okay. Um, it's a cheap, a cheap uh, a cheap uh, uh, laptop I got so that I get through <laughs> customs and um, uh, where was I? So um, ah, so they saw themselves for the first time as public intellectuals and they saw their role as 
mediators between mushtama, between society and the state. Um, and I, about Butrus al-Bustani, I have this play on, the, on, the na on his name. Al-Bustani is, of course, the gardener, right? And conceptually, and I get to conceptual history in a moment, or in terms of political, political metaphors, there was a lot of talk after 1860 of gardens, or even before 1860. Uh, Khalil, uh, Khalil Huri, a contemporary of Bhutas uh, of Augustani, published the first privately owned newspaper in Beirut. Does anybody know the name of this newspaper? Yeah. That's later. Hadikat al Akbar. Malum, it's from 1858 uh, onwards. Then, of course, Al Jinan, Jinane, or another. Maybe. So you have a lot of um, metaphors that have to do with God, botanical metaphors. Mm. And I make this argument that. <clears throat> In fact, this generation of uh, Beirut intellectuals saw themselves somewhat as gardeners onto society to cultivate society. Much like a garden is neither nature, yani untamed, it's cultured nature, it's nature groomed, nature uh, curated, right? And nor is it our gardens pure stone, pure hadara bin hajar. So this is kind of a, a way to conceptualize the self-image that Abustani, Salim Bustani, and, and Butus Abustani may have had uh, of themselves. Um, before I get to the this point about the Archimedean uh, moment of Arab modernity, um, let me pick some concepts that I think are either new after the, the Civil War of 1860 or require us to think what do they actually mean. It starts actually with uh, Nafir Surya itself. The poster that you've been sent, uh, Salim put Nafir Surya. Yeah? But actually, and I wish that's why one of the only reasons why I wanted to show you the picture of, of the aspect <coughs> of Nafir Surya, he actually writes it Nafir Surya, Bitarmabuta. And so my colleague and well, former student uh, and I, um, Hisham Safiyadin, uh, I put him on board uh, the publication, we are trying to figure it out. Why at this point would uh, Lutus Abustani use the Tarma Buta instead of the, uh, what's it called? The Alif al-Mamduda. To be considered, uh, in some ways, it's a question of what is Syria. In the Clary, in one of the issues, he goes and uh, tries to define where is Syria. Not just geographically, where is Syria, but also what is Syria. So he gives um, he gives the um, uh, is it here? Yeah. So he defines it in uh, issue five. Um, the territory at the time wasn't called Syria, uh, Syria. it was Bilad Hashem, or Bar 
Barashan, right? So Syria as a, as a geographical denominator is new. Where does it come from? I will kind of answer this question. It has to do, of course, with the Protestants with whom Boutrous Augustani was in relations, <coughs> right? They talked of uh, Syria, Eli Smith, for example. Um, but, yeah, so we have to ask, where does it come from? Is it merely borrowing from the, from the, uh, uh, from the missionaries, or is there something else? So even if they, only, if they borrow the term Syria, uh, Syria instead of Bin Adisham from the, from the missionaries, what do these intellectuals do with it? Maybe they second. I would argue they sort of secularize the concept of Syria because for the for the missionaries, Syria meant a return to some kind of biblical land, and this was not the case for these uh, Beiruti intellectuals. So geographically, he defines uh, Syria. He says Syria, and uses the term Syria with Talmuta, lies between two countries, basically Egypt and Turkey. Uh, the Ottoman Empire, that have often been pulled in different directions. And he refers to the Egyptian occupation of Bilal Sham in 1830, in the 1830s, of course. Right? Um, so I'm, I'm not going to go through the whole, uh, my argument <coughs> of why did he replace the concept Bilal Sham, the Ottoman 400 years of calling Syria Bilal Sham. Uh, with this new concept of Syria, only to note that a year earlier, in 1859, uh, he gave a famous khutbah, he doesn't speak of Syria, right? He doesn't uh, talk of Syria at all. He does, though, in Nafir Syria. It's almost as if he uses the concept of Syria to deal with the atrocities of the civil war. And in some ways, I think he wants to say that this was not just a war between Druze and Maronites for Jabal of Man. It's actually something that concerns the whole of our water. Right? So that's the next term he kind of doesn't quite invent, but, but imbue with new meaning. So what is our Watan? What is our homeland? We don't translate it as nation. We think it's uh, better to keep it uh, sort of uh, in its, in its pre-nationalist appropriation. So homeland, we think, is better, like Muscat Ras, for example. Watan is homeland. Um, so he's trying to define He's trying to heal a society that has just been at war like, at, with, with itself, right? And I think he, he is invoking Syria, not because the missionaries did it, but because he can tell his readers, these were like pamphlets or broadsides, that were either handed out in the streets of Beirut, these Nusra, these Nusra, um, or maybe put on walls. We don't know how these these Nushad were read that he published sort of every three weeks, every five weeks, uh, uh, eleven times. So he says, Muhammad al Watan, Ya Abna al Watan. He addresses his readers with Ya Abna al Watan. Well, Anna, I'm not going to tell you my name, 
we now know it was Butrus of Rustani, but at the time it was an anonymous lover of the homeland. I'm going to tell you what needs to be done for us to overcome the situation we've just witnessed. And he appeals to Syria to the ancientness of Syria. Look, we've had our problems, we've had the Kaisi Uyamani uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, rifts historically, but we are as Syrians in this land between Egypt and, uh, and, and Turkey. We are a society with a, a long history. So he wants to invoke this long history as a way of kind of heal, to heal this uh, fractured uh, society. Um, so that's Watan. And there's much more to say about uh, Watan. Um, he defines in issue five, he uses, ah, maybe I should say a little bit about Watania patriotism, not nationalism, patriotism. He defines, uh, ah, so he's defined for us Syria. I call this place that they used to call Biladisham Syria now. He said that we are a Watan with historical problems. Uh, rifts, um, but we can fix this. And thus, uh, uh, the homeland itself doesn't fix itself. We have to relate to this homeland that I've just defined for you in some way. Somehow, we have to, there has to be an emotive, an affective relationship to our homeland, and that is. So he introduces the, the, the concept of love, love your homeland. And he quotes this apocryphal, I mean this uh, uh, alleged hadith that was not a hadith, but that Tahtawi also claimed was a, a hadith. So Hubb al Watan is part and parcel of uh, faith, right? He claims it's a hadith, it's not. People have researched this. Uh, Rifat Tahtawi has used it, uh, claiming it was a uh, hadith. It is not, but it, it does date back quite a while. Anyway, so in terms of conceptual history, what I want to show is, or oh, we both of us, uh, Hisham and I, that he's trying to find a way to bring this society together. And, and the glue, if you will, or he calls it the magnet, actually, he has a more um, technical uh, sort of uh, metaphor, um, is Hubbal Watan, right? And this is what he wants to kind of guide his, his, uh, his audience towards. Okay, so I'm going to go through uh, one or two more uh, concepts, perhaps. Um, concept of sectarianism. So, sectarianism has of course a big place in both the Middle East or whatever, the Arab world, uh, and the writing about the Arab, Arab or Middle Eastern history. We now have had many books, Osama uh, Maktasi, uh, Max Weiss, who have given us a sense of the structure and the emergence of uh, sectarianism, what we today call sectarianism. But 
Botros or Bustani did not have a word for sectarianism the way that we have it now, diaphilia. So what we did, I mean, around this time, so we tried to find, I was, so first thing we did, we looked, where does he mention taifia? He doesn't. There's no translation of what we today call taifia or what we today call sectarianism um, in, in uh, Nafisoria. He has other words that sort of are, uh, that are equivalents, like tahassub, uh, Ta'asub or Ta'asub factionalism, um, but not, he doesn't have a, a stable category for what he has just witnessed. So he knows it's not like the Fitan of old, it's not like Kaisi Yamani sort of uh, strife, it's something else. It's a Harbul Ahliya, right? And so he's trying to work through to his audience what, he's trying to analyze what he's just witnessed. And he's, he admits in the text, it's quite open in, in passages, that, look guys, I don't know what to call this beast that we've just witnessed, but I'm going to try anyway. And so for me, um, I, I have a, a, what I think is the most stable equivalent of uh, sectarianism that he uses is al-Ghadad. Um, I know my, my pronunciation is so bad, but I come prepared. Mm? And I get to that uh, in a moment. What is important for conceptual history for uh, uh, students and, and, and scholars who use uh, Rainer Koselleck, for example, a famous uh, conceptual historian, is the relationship between event, history, and language. Much of the discourse analysis, cutting-edge discourse analysis, colonial discourse analysis after Edward Said, for example, but also, of course, post-structuralists uh, after Foucault and so on and so forth, basic, or Derrida basically argue there's nothing outside text. The text is all there is. It's almost like uh, real, like real history is is basically at the mercy of what language makes of it. Right? I'm saying sort of the opposite, and the fact that Bustani does not have a term, or even, I mean, I say a word, but also a concept of what he's just witnessed, a stable one, doesn't mean that this didn't happen. So in other words, you can have sectarianism, the what we today diagnose as the as the political category, or even the, uh, the sort of uh, political pathology of sectarianism, exists before people had a term for it. I mean, this is an important point. Is, is this? Do, does, do I make sense? So, so in other words, history does not wait for language. To, to arrive, as it were, or to, to, to give it meaning. It happens, and language in some ways, uh, it can, of course, incite history. We know this, ideologues can think history into being. You know, people say stupid things, and then there's a war here or there. That's, that's where language incites history. Language makes history. But it can also be the other way around, right? Whereby history happens, and people, 
even astute people like Butrus Al-Bustan who know the lay of the land, I don't know what to call this. And we need to know this, we need to be able to, to give it a, a name, a concept, so that it doesn't happen again. So, a lot of I, it's, a, it's a hypothesis, uh, people who read this book, uh, and you can get it online, it's free, global access, open access, uh, through uh, the website of California University Press. People might disagree in the future, but I think the closest to what we today call sectarianism could be, could have been for al-Bustani, al-Horad. Now, Horad is not sectarianism, obviously, <laughs> as we know it. But at the time, so Harad, what is Harad for you guys? So Harad is prejudice, self-interest is, I think Harad also, in, in if anybody does uh, Jahiliya poetry, I think it's also a component in, in Arabic <coughs> poetry, like the, the part in which the poet... <laughs> yeah, the, way, the intention, the objective of the poem, of them, or the... Or the the, the traveler, right? So, but I think he uses al-Ghurad uh, as prejudice, as to describe um, self-interest, yeah, almost like anania, if you will. Can you put it in a sentence? Like, what is uh, I don't have the Arabic, um, but uh, hang on, let me see. Um, Not a, so I mean I can. Um, um, Al Bustani laments. This is me speaking, not Bustani. Al Bustani laments the way in which the resurgence of prejudice, and he calls it Al Horab, against other groups or between groups, has shifted from interfactional designation. Yani, uh, he says, Druze and Christian, then Muslim and and then Muslim and Christian. So this is not fitna, it's something else. Um, hang on, I have, now this is the jinns, we'll leave that out. Uh, where is Yeah, so I, um, it's, I'm not, Bustani um, doesn't have a word for sectarianism, and I'm saying it might be, it might be this one. He uses it, but it, it's like and, like factionalism and, and extremism and, and, and. So it's not a stable category. Um, right, so that's sectarianism. And there are other concepts like this. I mean, we could do the same for Nafir. What is Nafir for, for him? Yom Nafir, uh, it's biblical, but uh, it could also be, uh, you know, imbued with, with uh, new meaning, or meaning of its own. of course, was used for the conscription. Yeah, and it's also to mobilize an army, to, to, to uh, the great, you know, uh, call for... The fear of Yeah, uh, general mobilization, Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so um, there's much more in these... Um, in these... Uh, in these uh, conceptually new kind of concepts, uh, I want to move perhaps to the question of the Nahda as a whole. Um, and again, uh, this is merely the Beiruti perspective. I am aware of the partiality of this 
of this. And there's, of course, a big battle between which city is the is the birthplace of the Nachta and which one is more important, Cairo or Beirut or Damascus. So when did Baghdad come into into play? Um, but I think for Bilad Sham, and Bilad Sham has a different. Uh, periodization. I think Bilad Sham intellectual history operates on different nodal points than Cairo, uh, not least because Cairo was occupied by the British in 1882 and relates differently to perhaps to the to the West or to the Brits than did uh, the the Shamis. Uh, including the Beirutis, who were still uh, under Ottoman, uh, Ottoman rule. And I might add, didn't mind it so much. The idea that, that these intellectuals were anti-Ottoman, I think, is mistaken. And certainly, Butrus al-Bustani, in the second Lafir, in the second clearing, in the second uh, issue, um, thanked Fuad Pasha, the special envoy that the Sultan sent to pacify and to punish the guilty. So he, he in fact, made homage to Fuad Pasha as the bringer of, uh, of security and, and someone who helps this broken society to heal. So my sense, and this is also going back to my early work, is that <clears throat> Arabs and uh, the Ottoman administration, Istanbul and Beirut, Istanbul and Damascus, were not yet sort of antithetical the way that they became with the rise of Arab nationalism. And that was very late. I would put it even World War I, right? The, the great Inkilab al-Othmani, the young Turk revolution, most Damascenes, Beirutis, and even Cairo like, exiles, uh, Arab exiles in Cairo, British Cairo, were supportive. Of, of the Ottoman Revolution. In fact, they called it an inkilab of Mani. They didn't call it. They didn't call it an inkilab of Turkey. Right? translated the word revolution to inkilab. We don't know that revolution is still. Yeah, and that's actually conceptual history-wise also interesting. Who uses the the term thaura? And who uses the word inkilab? Absolutely. But I, I mean, I think it's pretty much now in scholarship uh, established that um, Ottoman rule, even under Abdul Hamid, and he was an authoritarian ruler, um, there was a sense of you know these intellectuals as being part of this family of, of Ottoman Arab provinces. Anyway, that was just uh, I was going somewhere else though. So um, uh, ah. So I mentioned earlier that the Nahda initially, certainly in Beirut, the Nahda was a literary, basically a literary salon. People met and wrote about and through the Arabic language and hoped to revive uh, Zakara uh, uh, Ibn Sina, Zakara al-Marri, that sort of thing, right? 1860 comes and these intellectuals, these, these uh, literati, realize they have to take on a public role. Because this society ain't going to heal itself just by itself and just by the Ottomans. However much we appreciate 
after Fuad Pasha arriving with his army to nip the French sort of invasion in the bud. That was French army was also on the coast of uh, of Beirut in Khalde. Um, and it's only because Fuad came in that the French uh, Buffon, uh, General Buffon, had to had to leave eventually. So they were happy with the ornaments, but they also didn't trust them to do all the, the hard labor of education and, and journals and newspapers and so on and so forth. And so it's only with 1860 that we can speak of, a, if you will, a political Nahda, or a social reformist Nahda. And that's important also for the way we think about the Nahda today. Um, <clears throat> Albert Horani can be credited in his book, uh, Arabic Thought Beyond, uh, in the Liberal Age, with introducing the concept of, of introducing time into the Nahda. He divided the Nahda into three generations of thinkers. Right? First generation, Tahtawi, uh, who uh, uh, Ahmad Faris Hashidiyak, Nasif al Yazaji. Second generation, Salim Bustani, Salim Bustani, and so on and so forth. Third generation, Taha Hussein, the kind of uh, late intidab, late intidab uh, sort of intellectuals. But he doesn't really relate, Horani, that is, doesn't relate. But Shidyak and Bustani were contemporaries. Uh, Shidyak was born in 1804, mm -hmm. and Putras al Bustani was born in 1819. Yeah, they were, I can't remember whether, I think, yeah, you're right. It's, well, Shidyak was closer to Ahtawi mm -hmm. in age than to Bustani. Mm -hmm. Okay. But uh, I'm not sure, maybe Bustani is also first generation. Who, Salim Bostani and uh, Ishaq Adib uh, Ishaq, uh, Ishaq and uh, Farah Antoun were maybe second generation. Kawakabi Kaman, he is not still, he doesn't uh, have a chapter on Kawakabi, but Kawakabi was born in the 1850s, so he would also be second generation, in the 40s. Mahmoud Abdul. Well, also second generation. So, but that's merely generational. I think what, what I'm doing, or we're doing with, with, with relating the Nahda to an event like this, like the Harb al-Ahliya, means Nahda thought is not just thought ephemeral, like thought in, 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 in the air. It is rooted in an experience, in a human experience, the experience of war. I mean, Bustani lived in Beirut. Beirut. There was no war in Beirut. The refugees came from Jabal Lebanon, from Damascus. And so Bustani says, I witnessed the war only from Beirut, from the safety of Beirut. But I've seen, and he's helped with the, the relief, aid, relief work of, of thousands of refugees. But so 1860 is a, is a caesura. 1860 is a, is a, a, a watershed. It changes the nature and the intention of the Nahdawis. And then we can ask, well, what are the other events elsewhere? I think 1882 is a major uh, 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 watershed, certainly for the Nahda in Egypt. Right? Um, 
and of course uh, World War One is a major shift, I think. So political events do do change the Nakba. The Nakba is no longer, I think we cannot treat the Nakba as a monolith, as you know, the Nakba as the one thing. But of course the Nakba gets invoked um, after the the end of the, uh, the, the Nahda itself. Bus, um, Albert Horani ends the Nahda in 1939, which is the beginning of World War II, but also the publication of his book was published in uh, 1962. The publication of another important book by Taha Hussein. Also, Antonius, uh, 1960, uh, 1938. 1938, 1939, also Taha Hussein writes. What's the book about the, uh, the, uh, the future of the exactly. Mustakbal of the Nahda in this book. Um, Max Weiss and I, in the first volume called Arabic Thought Beyond the Liberal Age, we argue no. We have to take at least take the Nahda up to 48. And for us, 48 is a more important watershed, namely the Nakba, than the beginning or even the end of World War II. And we make, a, we make an argument about before and after, and of course, uh, the existence of Israel shapes uh, shapes the way Arab intellectuals uh, think about the past, about the present, and you know you have it, it, to us the watershed. What ends the Nahda is 48, even though Taha Hussein is still an icon, uh, of course, and and Ahmad Lutfi Sayed is still Ustaz Jil, but they get challenged. They get challenged by people like Sahel Idris uh, in the famous um, uh, lecture battle between Sahel Idris or Raif al Khouri and Taha Hussein in Beirut. It's 1955, I think, is the moment when people say when Egypt loses its position, the old Udaba like uh, Taha Hussein, lose their, their patina, their, their aura, and uh, Al-Adab picks up. And they all these, um, also they also tend to be sort of uh, Jean-Paul Sartre uh, in, in, inflected or infected. Anyway, so 48 is a, is, a, is a watershed. And people in the 50s and 60s don't really, Arab intellectuals don't really invoke the Nahda anymore. The Nahda in the age of Arab socialism was kind of, you know, a lib was a, an alien age. It, it, it didn't, it helped in fact to, to grease the wheels of colonialism. So not, people didn't really speak about uh, the Nahda. I mean, people did, but they weren't that as important as, as before. You have uh, Louis Award and other people, of course, still writing about the Nahda, but there were other concerns. This changes. Uh, when two events, a, a regional event and a global event coincide, and all of a sudden the Nahda gets rediscovered both in Cairo and in Beirut. And this is 1990, 91, that sort of thing. Why? It's the end of two things. 
the end of the Lebanese civil war, Yanni Afani, if you will, um, 1975 to 1990, and it's the end, more or less, of the Cold War, right? And so <clears throat> we just we kind of did some research and, and, and you know we tried to see what happens right after the end of the Cold War. Egyptian intellectuals, partly uh, encouraged by the Mubarak state, um, republish. Kawakabi gets republished in 1992. Um, Dar Tanwir. Tanwir is the big, the big buzzword all of a sudden. It wasn't before. It wasn't while the Soviet Union still offered uh, a political alternative, yani a, a Marxist alternative. Tanwir was now the, the, the big rallying cause um, in, in Egypt, but also in, uh, in, in uh, Beirut, but also in, in Damascus. There was a, a journal that um, my dear colleague uh, Suzanne Kassab works on, Kadayat uh, wa Shahadat. It was edited by Sadallah. Um, by edited more or less the figurehead up until his death. He was part of it, he was a leading figure. Mahmoud was in it, but the main driving force was Sadallah Manus. Of course, Aziz al Azmi, and very important also was. Um, um, Abdurrahman, uh, Abdurrahman Munif. So this journal, uh, 1993 to, didn't last very long. I think when Sadallah Wanus died, I think the journal died with him in 1997. Even before. Even before. Material. Yes, yes. They, they were running out of money. But it was a fantastic journal that kind of, that, that, that drove, independent of the Mubarak state, independent also of the Assad uh, What is the name of the journal? Uh, um, Kadayat wa Shahadat. Kadaya wa Shahadat. Yeah, sort of big chunky magazine. Um, so, so uh, in the 90s was was invoked. Ahar al was uh, was invoked. Um, as why was it invoked? Everybody talked. Or not everybody, a lot of these intellectuals who before didn't touch al-Nahda started to draw meaning from the Nahda for Tanwir. It was, you know, after the Cold War, after the Soviet alternative, after Marxism had seemed to run its course, what are our, what, what is our um, uh, well, our well, our cultural well? And they turned to the Nahda, translating as a, or, or republishing many of the classics of the Nahda. Um, so the question. The big question is, what is ma here al-hadath al-arabiyya? This is what in the 90s and 2000s, of course, after 9-11, even more so perhaps, the question. Is there such a thing? Or why aren't Arabs more modern? Or what do we need to do to modernize? These questions, I mean, in some ways, perhaps today, they might sound a bit boring to our ears. Maybe we've moved on. But they really are an essential, they pose an essential question to, I think, intellectuals after the Lebanese Civil War and after the, the Cold War. And I don't have an answer, and nobody did really, 
But what, what is important to note is that this question, Mahiya al-Hadaq al-Arabiya, was uh, framed in what was the Nahda. Right? So, uh, is the Nahda the reason why we're backward? Or is the reason why we're backward because we haven't lived, we haven't uh, really lived the full potential of this period? Right? This is sort of the, in some ways, um, the debate um, between even the, the French or the, the European Enlightenment. On the one hand, you have, I don't know, Rousseau, for example, who sort of basically said, well, Everybody speaks of modernity and everybody speaks of, of, of freedom, but all we are, we are in chains. Modernity is a, co a straitjacket to us. Right? And then you have Voltaire, says, you know, it's, it's going to come. The enlightened utopia is just around the corner if only we do X, Y, Z. Right? It's sort of, it's the same debate actually in the 70s and 80s between Habermas and Foucault. Foucault thought modernity was a straitjacket. Habermas thought it's just incomplete. We just need to do one more step kind of thing, right? And the same, I think, was the debate between uh, sort of in the 1990s in, in Arab intellectual circles. Is the fact, is the Hadatha, uh, is, is, is it incomplete? Is our job to complete it? Complete something that Tahtawi started or Bustani started? Or, and this is the other, the other uh, sort of argument, it was flawed from the beginning, right? Because the Nahta alienated us, right? They were translating norms from Europe. They were basically corrupting something that was essentially us. These two debates exist in forms in slightly less crude terms of I've, as I've just uh, caricatured them, I think still today. Right? For me, I'm not taking either side. But what is important for me is these questions and these debates are located on the legacy of the Mahna. Right? And perhaps finally, of course, the other question is then if the, the people in the Mukaddimat and Liberalia, the, the sort of secular intellectuals, they value or they also criticize the Nahda, but then you also have reformers. You have the uh, Islahis, the, the, the uh, well, yeah, and today, yeah, so the question then is do the Islahis or the Islahis or the Salafiyin, they were, they saw themselves as Salafiyin, which is an Salafi thought then was very different from Salafi thought today. Again, conceptually, they're the same words, but they describe different, uh, they make reference to different, to different uh, realities. So the Salafis, there's a question, is Muhammad Abdul Kaman is, and, and Afghani, are they part of the Nahda? Ali Abdul Razik, of course, he was a very, Rashid uh, Rida. Well, now we can we can kind of have uh, three buckets, and we can throw one in the Nahda bucket, one in the anti-Nahda bucket, okay. and one. But again, I I'm not uh, taking sides. It's just this is at stake. Mm -hmm. This is what kind of the intellectual battle these days is fought over. Even if it's not in a newspaper article that has Nahda in the title, but I think it's the Nahda has become since the 1990s an Archimedean point of Arab modernity. An Archimedean point for me means 
it's the point or it's the it's the event or the time or the perspective from where claims to truth are made right the the uh, the um, uh, Greek um, uh, philosopher and, and mathematician Archimedes uh, in English it's Archimedes so the idea is that for me to make my point about Arabic reality, or for you to make your point about are we modern, are we not modern, or what does it take for us to become modern or postmodern, whatever, you will go back, in order to make your case, you might go back to Abdu. Kamakala al-Imam Muhammad Abdu. I might go back to Kamakala al-Muallim Butrus al-Bustan. I think I'm, I'm being a bit caricaturish, but I think the Nahda is this point to which intellectuals still today, well at least up until maybe, I don't know, today is very gloomy, but let's say till today, um, uh, return to make, to, to prove their, their arguments are true. And this is what makes the Nahda uh, an Archimedean point of modernity, right? The debates that we have, or that Arab intellectuals have in Ramallah and Beirut and uh, Cairo, uh, not all of them, but but Nata is is there as a as a as a groundswell, as a as a yeah as a point on which you base your arguments about the historicity of Arabs or the lack of it. And I think um, I'll leave it here. I could talk forever, mm. but uh, let's feel questions. No, was this uh, okay or yeah, yeah, that's uh, excellent. did I excellent time. should I have talked longer? Uh -huh. المجال مفتوح للجمهور إذا بتحبوا اسمح لي أسألك سؤال قبل ما أفتح أستغل موضعي هنا وفي نص مهم جدا برأيي قصة أسعد الشدياق اللي فجرت إمام واسع بدور الدين في هذه الفترة. It's an exceptional kind of text that Bustani wrote against the murder and killing of the brother of Ahmed Faris Shidi by the Maronites, by the Catholic authorities. How does that fit in in this discourse? I don't work about it on it on this particular Kisat Asad Shadiak because Usama Maktasi has done such a wonderful job. So I have to ventriloquate Usama's analysis. So he's Usama's argument about this Kisat. It is it is not just a critique of the Maronite treatment and killing out of like the arrest. Uh, and the torture, really, uh, of uh, Assad um, Shadiak, torture for, 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 for um, converting to Protestantism, sorry, in case, uh, yeah, we mustn't take things. So, so Assad Shadiak converted to Protestantism, also because he came in touch with Eli Smith and these early missionaries, and then later kind of built uh, AUB. The, the Maronites, grabbed him, really abducted him, and put him in a monastery, no? Something like this. And there he, he I think he made it, managed to flee, and then they captured him again. Bustani, Mutuzal Bustani, who was also a convert, he also came, he also was a Maronite, 
Aslam, but then when and he was a student at Ain Warqa uh, at this very good and still has run until into the 20th century. Um, is amazing uh, uh, school run by the Maronites. But then he, he went down to Beirut in 1840 and also met the, the missionaries. And he also converted to Protestantism. So for Bustani, what the Maronites did to Assad Sujak uh, was very close to him because it could happen to him. But according to Osama Magdasi, the significant bit of this Kissa, which is maybe 100 pages in debate, it's, a, it's, it's substantial. It's a substantial. Was that he also indicted or criticized uh, the American Protestants and, for, and religion, I think. and religion, and some aspect of religion. I get yeah. to that. Um, so the Protestants he indicted, or he, he blasted, because they a they didn't do anything. They didn't lift a finger. For Assad um, Shudyak, and for in fact having created the problem in the first place, right? But it does. So he, he writes, "What is religion?" So we like to think of Butrus Augustani as a as a secular, as a Christian, but a secular thinker. Today we think that sec we somehow assume that secular is almost atheist. That you, if you're secular, you can't be you can't be a religious person. I think it's, well, some people think so, and certainly the, the aggressive secularists in Europe uh, might think so. But to Bustani, it was much more subtle, and he picks up on this in, in a number of uh, issues, uh, in a number of uh, pamphlets. Um, and he makes a distinction between, in some ways, religion and faith. It's, it's uh, a distinction we all kind of know, right? So there's, there's religion, there's the forced religion of the church, right? Uh, in his case, and then there's faith, and there's true religion. Now we can argue, I mean, whether that's a valid argument is, is, is I guess at, at this point, neither here nor there. The point is, he does make this distinction, and he says the Maronite church, in doing what it did, um, was, was, um, was contravening true religion. The Protestant uh, missions also, because of their zeal, because of their institutionalization, are also in danger of leaving the path of true religion. To him, true religion, according to Osama Magdasi, was ecum uh, um, ecumenical. Everybody, you know, uh, practiced the faith they would like. No force in faith kind of thing. And so Osama's new book, which is coming out in a few months, uh, is sort of called, he's, he's looking at the Nahda as an ecumenical age, an age of tolerance and, uh, you know, sort of ecumenical existence that gets threatened by, well, Zionism, uh, but also by the Maronite, the Falange, and the SSMP and, and other kind of groups. Anyway, so this, this is where, uh, in some ways, the, Asa, the Kisat um, Asat Shudyak does get picked up here, and he defines for us what he thinks um, you know, a good believer should do and shouldn't do. So he, dis he distinguishes uh, true religion from Ta'asod uh, and sectarianism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. لما بتقرأ 
ضمن العرب مثلا في كتاب رينيه معوض انت شاركت فيه عبدالله العربي راح يقول بانه لو نجحت النهضة لما تم الاستعمار لو نجحت النهضة لما تم الاستعمار نجحت كان الاستعمار ما حصلش نهائيا الحلو بعصر النهضة او التنوير اللي ما كانوش كلمتين معفين في ذاك الوقت انه كان في ديبيت يعني انت ما حكيتش عن فلسطين بتذكر انه مبارشة فلسطين اذا دخلت متأخرة يعني دخلت شو شو دخلت دخلت متأخرة النهضة لا على النهضة دخلت متأخرة بعد 1908 مثلا النهضة انت ما ذكرتها النهضة 1908 الدستور العثماني والخليل السكاكيني المدرسة الدستورية في القدس من خليل السكاكيني فالسؤال هو انه إذا النهضة كانت خلق حالة ديبيت بما فيه عقبايا مثل الحجاب والسفور مثلا العلاقة بين الدين والدولة مجال جريدة فلسطين كان فيها نقاشات الحجاب والسفور وحول قضايا الدين والدولة العلاقة بين الدين فإذا أثرت كل هذا الديبيت العرب بالمقابل بقول إنه لو نجحت كان ما تمش الاستعمار من جهة أخرى بأحد الحواشي الهوامش بقول بأنه لما نحكي عن عصر النهضة نحكي عن عصر النهضة بالفكر العربي مش عصر النهضة بالمجتمع العربي وبالتالي كان النهضة كانت بالفكر مش بالمجتمع وبالتالي ربما كانت هاي My question is about the argument in general. So, um, so you're claiming that Nafir uh, Surya has changed the way we we understand Nahda, right? Is that is that is that uh, has changed to... uh, has changed the Nahda uh, has changed what became the Nahda itself. It's a stage. It 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 put the Nahda stage one to stage two, if you will. Okay, and and we haven't we historians haven't paid attention to this to to the role of the of the civil war, Lebanese civil war. Uh, yeah, and you're saying that. Nahda at that time was not just Nahda in debate, but it was uh, as if you were saying it's the, the discourse of Nahda has become more vivid because of the civil war. Like you're trying the civil war as if you're if, as if you're trying to get your arguments maybe more like clearer in my mind. Uh, and also you talk about Bustani and Hub al-Watan. So. What exactly are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that Nahda here has been tied to notions of uh, the state mm -hmm. and nationalism mm -hmm. as a new terms created mm -hmm. in the late 19th, like 18th, 19th century? I'm trying to understand how does actually Nafir and Bustani uh, um, gave Nahda a different meaning? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you can say this in a sentence if you want. Mm -hmm. This is my first question. Uh, 
And my second question, I have more questions, but I want to give people more time no, to too, ask. Too so you, yeah. you said that Nahda came back in 1991. And, um, my, and in my mind, I'm just thinking, well, with the, with the end of the Cold War and the rise of liberalism mm -hmm. as the major paradigm of thinking, mm -hmm. why not? I mean, of course, Nahda would come back. Mm -hmm. And because it is the age, age of modernity, and now it's everyone including international organizations, and everyone in the world are cherishing liberalism. Of course, like, what else to go back to? And I would also argue some, uh, some people and scholars have went back to the, the 12th century and the debate actually between Averroes and Al-Farabi. Some people even went there to, to evoke in Nahdan. So, um, yeah, I'm just wondering if that only happened in the Arab world. I think, I think it, it happened in, in many places mm -hmm. in the global south. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, hang on just a second. Uh, oh, why not? I had a thought there. Of, um, uh, yeah, uh, I won't be. I've, I, can't I had a great answer, but I forgot to write it down. Hang well, on. you have time to think because yeah, yeah, let's we will take one more. Okay. And Fadl says, Saji, right? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. سوريا <تصفيق> 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 لبنان، سوريا، فلسطين، الأردن يعني شو الجذور الجذور الخاصة فيها هل هي مجرد مؤامرة يعني كانت حيكل ضد السورية لتقسيمها ولا في عناصر داخلية لبنانية، سورية، فلسطينية لاحقا تبلورت السؤال الثاني شو شو اسهامات ما هي اسهامات الفلسطينيين في موضوع النهضه يعني في اسماء بتوقع انك تعرضها او بتامل يكون الكتاب تناولها هو الأستاذ الكبير عن النهضة الفلسطينية بس ايه اوكي اكيد يا يا بس طيب بس سؤال عن سوريا تفضل بس يعني لأنه يمكن ما ما جاء توضيح في الكلام الفرق بين لأنه السوريين دولة سورية حاليا تستعمل التال مربوطة إحنا بشكل عام نستعمل الألف This is what you wrote the Alif in the poster so why do you ليش 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 I don't know why you use why did you why did you put I have my theory ليش one is male one is female okay both are female both are female well I mean so نفيه سوريا it is it is it looks like an adjective يعني سوريا like البنك السوري or something but سوريا here becomes a noun I think Grammatically, 
it seems to be historically somehow more accurate than from Ayam al Asur, than Assyrians, Ashur, maybe. Ashur or Syrian? Syrian, yeah, Syrian, yeah, Ashur. I mean, maybe, um, but. He uses the Surya Batamabuta. I think it's part of, of uh, the other thing that I haven't talked about in terms of the Nahta. The Nahta reinvented the Arabic language. There's, of course, also big debates between Ahmad Fadr Sashidyak or Ibrahim al Yazaji or Bustani on the decay of the Arabic language, that the Nahda and these newspapers that Bustani edited was simplifying the Arabic language mm. was giving was taking away its its uh, its sublime the sublimeness of the poetic Arabic yeah so so the the printed print Arabic according to uh, Shidiak or Ibrahim Yazdi destroyed the sublime nature of Arabic and of course uh, Bustani said no it, it helps us communicate it helps us in our reform efforts to reform society Again, it's it's a, it's an ongoing. The Qara'at uh, al Suriya bil alif mamdud. Some, which ones? I don't remember the Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> we will not. I cannot. Uh, I cannot answer this question. Surya Janubia. Uh, well, that goes to your question, I guess, the Surya Janubia question. Uh, the other, I mean, um, I'm happy to raise the question, so you can go and talk, uh, discuss this with your with your colleagues. Uh, I think it deserves a discussion. So, um, uh, Alarwi. I also, uh, the way I, s so uh, Abdallah al-Irwi is this famous, uh, wonderful, uh, I, I like his thinking. Uh, he is a, a Moroccan philosopher of history, I would say, um, for those of you who don't uh, know, know him. And he wrote uh, a book, uh, many books on what we now call the Nahda, he didn't call it that, uh, and about what and his main intervention, I think, what makes him so interesting for me is he started off as a Marxist, but he's sort of become maybe a liberal, but he still, he's still, you know, he still has a, 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 a criticism that draws on maybe cultural Marxism. And so what I like about him is, is how he, in his books, talks about the... Uh, uh, I guess uh, what you call um, temp temporality. Time. He also uh, inserts the question of time, timing, temp contemporaneity into his analysis. And what he says, I think he is saying that there's a tragedy that, and I kind of paraphrase, isn't it a pity, he's right somewhere, that the Arabs discovered liberalism at a moment when in Europe it was discredited? Yani, we finally we arrive and, and understand 
liberalism as more than just uh, what is now neoliberalism, like uh, the free flow of capital. There's something to liberalism that even a Marxist can, like uh, can can uh, appreciate. And in some ways, I also read his his work as as sort of saying that if the Nachta had, he doesn't use the term Nachta, but we call it, I call it that now. If the Nachta had been given more time or more import, maybe there wouldn't have been, as you say, colonialism. Which is unusual because all of his peers in the 60s and 70s would say the opposite. It's because of the Nahda that the Nahda thought opened up, made, made uh, Arabs susceptible to the seductions of capitalism, right? The, 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 the missionary schools and uh, the printing press. So, um, which I think still some people argue today. I think it's a bit facile. I don't, I, maybe I used to buy it. I, don't, I think it's a bit too easy. Um, so this goes to your question, um, and it allows me to uh, add another sort of semantic uh, uh, a discussion of another semantic word, Nahda. Just like sectarianism, that there was sectarian violence before Arabs had a term for it, the Nahda started before the people had a term for it. Right? So uh, the first, I guess, the famous first headline, like the uh, sort of anwan uh, in a in a in a book, or in, in a newspaper, in a, in a newspaper article, was um, George Zidane's "Anahta al Adabia fil Masr." The latest, he said, or something. So the latest, on the latest, literary Nahda. But, so there was no, the Nahda, the term, people I've now, and other people have tried to trace it to earlier, Francis Marash uses. Yunhad in a in a Nachta sense, the the verb. The verb. Uh, this is the 1870s. The earliest I've now found is um, the Master. Um, oh, sorry, yeah, I can't. Uh, in hard. In hard uh, of uh, of Nachta. Uh, in hard al. Uh, I thought you were going to say Ummah. Al-Nisa. It's, it's, it's an article uh, by Boutros Al-Mustani, or actually it was a lecture he gave in 1852, you And he calls for a, I have it somewhere, I can't remember now, in hand that we have to fight for, or struggle for, or support, or consider as really important, in hand and nisa and he gives a definition of what this constitutes. It's a very, it's not that feminist, obviously. Uh, but uh, it is interesting that in already in 1852, we have the first uh, seedling of Nahda kind of thinking. But you had a different question. I mean, this is, uh, so your question is, how did Bustani change the meaning of the Nahda? Not the meaning of the other uh, meaning, their purpose, what their role was, right? Is this maybe? Yeah. Um, and this is, I think, I, I thought I sort of uh, said this. The the this is a civil war. 
and all these um, belle lists who before the civil war were sitting in salons and in muassasat and recited al-marri all of a sudden realized well they have to actually um, educate and, and, and be not quite a vanguard that's later but be to, to, to uh, improve and, and change social conditions there was no talk of social conditions before Harb al-Ahliya they didn't see themselves as social reformer they didn't see themselves um, as sort of Ottoman politically as Ottoman as, as Ottomans this was maybe not Harb al-Ahliya I mean eighteen fifty six the great decree in uh, after the Paris peace uh, course that ended the Crimean War that's Bustani cites this as a moment that turned him in in Nafisari, a, mo a moment that turned him into a kind of a believing Ottoman. Like he was convinced that the new decree of 1856, you know, on Tasami, uh, sorry, Hatti, uh, uh, that's right, everything and, and uh, property, uh, that was that converted him. I, as I sort of put, that converted him. A, a second time. First, he, he converted from Maronia to Protestantia, and then he converted to Othmania. Um, so, so the, the the war made it all the more urgent for all these post-war, this post-war generation of uh, thinkers to become to have a social impact. Bustani, before he wrote, um, you know, he went on to to to. to Compose these amazing kamus, uh, these these encyclopedias, which we still use today. Mahit al Mahit, Da'irat al Ma'arif, late 1860s, late uh, 1880s, and so on and so forth. But before he did that, by that time he was getting you know a little old. He withdrew into into writing dictionaries and encyclopedias. When do you do that? You actually people write encyclopedias don't really interact with the world that much. I think it's a it's an insahab. But this is late in life, before, right after um, the the war. So the next big thing that, that Putus Augustani did uh, after writing these pamphlets was to found a school. I wanted to give you the image, the Madrasa al Wataniya. Right? And I have in my book Found the Sacred Beirut, I've uh, gathered um, uh, testimonies by former students <coughs> in this school, which included Salim Uttakla, uh, the, the, the founders of Al Ahram. Uh, it included a great number of people who, where I got, so I had to, they, they reflect back on, on, on this school. Um, so, this school, which is in Zahablad, it still exists. Uh, the Lebanese government at one point wanted to shut it, wanted to erase it. It's dilapidating, but still exists and the Lebanese government yeah real estate you know prime real estate and so we might lose this uh, Bustani school it's, it, it housed a lot of refugees during the civil war even after but it still exists so this is a clear sign that that Bustani and, and this this generation or this post if you want post civil war generation of intellectuals they really wanted to intervene in Social in, society, in social improvement, whatever you want to call it. Now we can criticize the way they did it, but they did it. They, that's what they saw, saw themselves as doing. 
he said, of course, the 1990s were the age when the Nachta gets rediscovered. It's the age of neoliberalism and so on and so forth. Um, that's very true. And the way I, I kind of read it is like this. A, a, a very shorthand. The son, Sonala Ibrahim, uh, cut, um, the, um, Sonala Ibrahim. Uh, <laughs> um, 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 Sa group knew this, of course. They were not writing in what we now understand as neoliberal kind of kitsch consumerist kind of intellectualism. They were writing and they were invoking Taha Hussein. Why? They were writing against the, the Egyptians, against the Mubarak state. At the same time, though, the Mubarak state mobilized the Nahda to show itself to be enlightened against mean against uh, the Ikhwan al-Muslimi, right? And at the same time, so they used the Enlightenment discourse to compass al-Ikhwan, right? And so this is this was the problem of the 1990s in terms of the Nahda discourse. On the one hand, there are the people who have the Nahda as an emblem for freedom against the state, but then there's the state that pays some of the same intellectuals a salary to publish, uh, republish uh, Kawakabi. Uh, and there's, of course, um, the famous, infamous uh, Gaben Asfur, the one-time um, minister. minister of culture. He was kind of in between. On the one hand, he wanted distance from the Mubarak regime, but on the other hand, he became a wazir al-Thakafa. So it's this tension, right? Um, uh, uh, the Nahta was abused, yeah, if you if you want, in 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 many ways. Oh, ah, the Akhlimiya, yani the in what in what ways did uh, the concept of the Watan, that 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 Nafisuria and other Nahta publications, in what ways did it create a, a sort of regional, like a, a nationalism, like a state nationalism, yes, Lebanese or Suri identity, a state. Yeah. I think it uh, it did not. I think in the Nahda until the end of the Ottoman Empire, um, I think uh, uh, Wataniya, at least the Bustanis and, and, and the Biladishanis, it wasn't there wasn't a distinction really between Palestine or Lebanon. Right? Now um, but when of course after the war you have the Ahdal Indidad, the French the colonial state uh, separates these uh, what I call the family of uh, Ottoman Arab provinces. Sure. Yeah, if you want to include the uh, yeah, um, then yes, you have you have Wataniya becomes Aklimiya, if you will. Um, we don't have time for this, but I should. In order to answer your question, we need to talk Kaman and Mordor Kaumiya. What is Shulfak Bain Wataniya or Kaumiya? Kaumia, very briefly, I think, is people like is is relates to a kaum, like to to human a group of human beings. Wataniya remain uh, 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 refers to a place, 
to a, to a, to a, a geography. I think this is this is the difference uh, the, the difference there. Um, Palestinian Nahda. Um, you know, you know more than me about Palestinian I think you write a chapter in, in your book. Um, Sakakini this is the one that you were right about. Yeah, when did it start? 1920s or earlier? No, with the بس in those days they did not use that term. It's as if it was a Lebanese-Syrian phenomenon. Uh, of course, Palestine in the Ottoman times was not, it existed, there was an identification with being Palestinian, but of course there was other identities, as you know. I mean, I don't want to talk about your own history. I think so, and we can, I mean, there is work maybe to be done to look at how many uh, students of uh, these schools by Sakakini and others go on to AUB, what the uh, Arab college, uh, what happened, what the, the students of, of the Arab college, what they later did, and how they became part of, uh, of the, how maybe they identified themselves as part of the Nahada. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but this yeah, is where I would look. Can fi najib al ouro salim al ouro fi akta. Asadum min Lebanon. Min ouro. I would like to end the because although I know some people would be interested to stay, but we have a tradition here of stopping while people are excited. But and I know it's been a long day for you, unless there's somebody who wants to raise an urgent issue. sophisticated questions I I know where to look uh, as I take this further. Is I can I see uh, Asela? Please, uh, to uh, email uh, Lily.
تذكير بس انه هذا الكتاب بتوفر مجانا تقدروا تنزلوه من موقع University of California Press